Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Mommy Support Edition of the Music Therapy Show. I am Janice Lindstrom, and with me is Amy Suniga. And we are here to answer your questions and to talk about things related to parenting. So it's not just for mommies. We just happen to be mommies. So uh, that's what I talk about the most. But if you are not a mom and still a parent and you have questions, feel free to call in 646-652-2850. You can also contact me on my website, heartbeatmusictherapy.net. And we're going to just talk about parenting issues today. Um so feel free to call in. Otherwise, we're going to talk about our own issues the whole time, and hopefully you can learn something from that. So uh, what's been going on for your family lately? Oh, just uh, normal adjustment to the spring and summer weather. I think sometimes that makes my kids a little more crazy. The lighter it is outside at night and the more we can be outside is great, but I also think it sometimes uh, brings out some of the more ornery characteristics in them. (laughs) Yeah, so that can be troublesome. I know that bedtime has become a real issue for me, I think in part because of the lighter days. I forgot to mention that we have a third guest today, a third co-host. My kid is not napping, so he's trying to grab the phone away from me right at this moment. Um, (laughs) So... Anyway, we've had trouble with uh, bedtime because of the lighter evenings, but also because of some changes going on in my son, who's now 20 months old. And uh, he, last week, surprised us by crawling out of his crib, climbing out of his crib. And uh, he, um, we were totally unprepared for that. We liked being able to use, my husband and I liked being able to use the crib as sort of a, a container for my kids so that we could have a few extra moments to ourselves in the morning or in the evening or whatever, and uh, we don't feel like we have that now. So we've had to completely change up our routine. It's certainly normal for kids, especially toddlers about this age or any age in toddlerhood really, to start resisting sleep more and to start also discovering. Some kids discover that they can get out of their cribs. Other kids don't ever really discover it, luckily for you. (laughs) Your son is one that has discovered it. I feel lucky. I have a climber. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I guess it's, it's good because it means that he's developing. It's frustrating because it means that we. I feel like we just got sleep down, and now it's all changing again, which everyone told me would happen. Once you get a routine down, it'll change. So I was kind of prepared for that, but intellectually, but emotionally, I'm not prepared at all. <laughs> so um, that evening, so he climbed out of this crib in the morning when we were trying to squeeze a few extra hours, or not hours, minutes to ourselves in the morning. <laughs> I don't leave my kid in the crib for hours, but uh, some some extra minutes in the morning to finish coffee or have a conversation, just the two of us, and um, uh, and that's when he climbed out because he had already screamed his frustration and, and get me out noises. And we um, did not attend to them as quickly as he wanted to. So he found a way to get our attention. 
so um, I panicked that night for bedtime because he was already kind of staying up later than what he used to. So his bedtime used to be around 6.30 or 7 o'clock. And lately he'd been staying up until 8.30, 10 o'clock at night, depending on the day. And uh, I just I didn't know how we were going to get him to sleep and how we were going to get some sleep. And what we ended up doing that night was um, contacting every parent that I possibly could get a hold of, saying, what do I do? So I got all kinds of advice from people. And we ended up that night just keeping him up until 10 o'clock, and then he was tired by the time we put him down. So he was not going to crawl out of bed because he was actually tired and went to sleep. Um, But that's not a long-term solution. So what what has been your experience with sleep or your research? Well, the um, actually what you described of keeping them up later is actually one of the strategies, um, is to keep them up later so that they really are tired. And then as they readjust to being in their bed again, kind of get past this phase of wanting to uh, not go to sleep, then you can keep, start easing back the time, like 15 minutes a night, until you get them back to their bedtime. Because it is possible that when you're putting them to bed, they're not tired yet. And then once they discover that they don't have to stay there, then it becomes an issue if they're not really tired. Um, Another strategy would be to put toys and stuff in the crib with them and let them kind of play with those as they fall asleep. Um, If your child's older than a year, then um, as long as the toys um, don't have strings on them or other things that could be dangerous, it's okay for them to fall asleep with books in their bed with them or... Uh, stuffed animals. Um, also for toddlers, having a lovey or some kind of transitional object, even if they never had one before, can start making night times a little bit smoother um, because they can have that to kind of cling to in the night um, as they're going to sleep and then it's going to be there with them if they wake up. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's many things to do to help them get uh, back in the routine, as you said, a lot of times kids are really good at sleeping and then things come up in their development and it might uh, seem like a regression or like all of a sudden you've got to refigure out how to get them back to sleep the way they used to sleep. Um, and certainly getting out of the crib is a scary thing for parents because it does seem like it's unsafe and that uh, most parents aren't prepared for their kids to be roaming the house, especially not at 22 months old or that's how old he is, 21? 20, he'll be yeah. 21 months. 20, yeah, 21 months old. They're not really ready for that. Um, so some strategies for that, um, you know, put pillows and things around the crib on the floor so that if they do climb out and kind of take a tumble, it's a softer surface for them to land on. Um, and then being there to put them back in their bed and let them know, um, no, you know, in a firm voice, no, it's time to sleep, Um they don't need long explanations. They don't need a lot of interaction. Um, and just, that also means being more involved because you'll be waiting there by the door, kind of watching them until they fall asleep. And they may resist for a few nights, but after a while they're going to get the hint that this is the way it's always been. I go to sleep in my crib. Um, and really not to give up on the crib just because they climbed out one time. I think it's very common for parents to kind of freak out. I was reading a lot about this and want to get rid of the crib altogether, but they that is where he's used to sleeping and that is where he's felt comfortable. So getting rid of the crib is actually going to make it harder for him to readjust to being asleep. 
And Kyle is sitting down here playing music on the straw of his mom's water. That's beautiful music, Kyle. <laughs> he's just figured out how to do that, and he's very proud of himself now. Yeah. A whole new stage of development for him, I guess. Um, that's pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> so I did get a lot of the advice said, oh, now you have to get rid of the crib and put a mattress on the floor and all this kind of stuff. And I, I do feel like he's too young for that. And I feel like it was just because he had communicated to us already that he was done being in his crib and we ignored that. And so he took it in his own hands. He's an independent kid. So what we've done since then is um, just pay more attention and be more involved in bedtime. So we we did set a later bedtime, like 8.30, I think, tends to work best now instead of 6.30 or 7. <laughs> and uh, uh, as a therapist, I see this with my clients all the time. They'll learn a skill, and then they won't do that skill. They'll kind of regress back to an earlier stage or something like that. And so I know that that's normal for development for a child to gain a skill and then come back a step and then try the skill out again and then they're usually more um have it more solid and and will perform it more frequently. But as a parent, it's hard to remember those things. Even though I know this as a as a therapist and I work with this all the time, it's hard to remember and stay focused on that with my own exhausted situation. Absolutely. And I think for sure with bedtime it's hard too because it's the end of the day and everyone's tired. So being consistent to setting up a bedtime and when there are challenges that come up and being consistent every night to help get those resolved so that sleep goes either gets to where you want it to be in the first place, or if you've had it in a good place and now there's some limit testing and all of that, getting it back to that place. Um, it's really hard because at the end of the day, everyone's tired. And especially if you've been able to clock out, so to speak, at 6.30 every evening and then all of a sudden now looking at 8.30, that just extended your day by two hours. Like That's hard for parents to um, have to adjust to. Um, and still maintain consistency and also maintain your composure and not be too angry because that actually can make the situation much worse. As we become more and more frustrated, our kids become less and less confident in our abilities to keep the limits the way they need to be for their security. Mm-hmm. And so that only can lead to more drama around the bed, more carrying on, more um uncertainty um, and it can draw it out even longer. So that's another I guess challenge is keeping our patients when we're already tired at the end of the day. It is a challenge. Set it on the table. We've been watching um Curious George a lot because that will keep him still for a few few like an, an hour. <laughs> and uh we've been noticed we've been commenting that George is, is actually a toddler with very little supervision is what it seems like to me. <laughs> And uh, the man with the yellow hat, though, seems to have this infinite amount of patience. Like, at least on the episodes that we see, he rarely yells. And he uh, just calmly explains when George does something, like throws all the books on the floor or makes a big mess. Uh, So we were wondering, you know, we know that staying calm is going to be the best way 
to manage behaviors, but uh, we're unclear on how to actually do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's easy conceptually in the abstract to say it's it's so easy to be calm. But sometimes those little toddlers, they just sort of know, and not just toddlers. Like my kids are beyond toddlerhood, and they seem to know. Mine are almost five and two and a half, and um, and even beyond that, my little teenage uh, neighbors across the street and their mom, we talk. I mean, it's like kids sort of know how to get us to the end of our patience, almost to just see what's going to happen. Um, which is what they're doing because they need to be reassured that we have it under control. And so the more we can stay under control, the more that they'll understand that we're capable of handling whatever it is that they throw our way and that their world is safe and that they're going to be okay. Um, and really, the like with sleep and with bedtime, just to get back to that, I mean, knowing that this is how things go, this is what's expected of me. These are the limits. Actually helps them feel better and helps them feel more safe. Um, and it actually gives them the freedom to then be able to go to sleep, to stay asleep, to be relaxed, um, and to get a good night's sleep. And, I mean, that's true for all of us. We don't like to think about that because we don't particularly like limits either sometimes. But when we know what uh, the boundaries are, then we can sort of do what we need to do. Like when we go to work, if we know what's expected of us, then we can do our job within those expectations and understand that everything is well and good. Um, otherwise, we have no idea what we're supposed to do. And toddlers are the same way. I'm just hiding under the table now. So, <laughs> um, so what is the... Like, how do you establish a bedtime routine that works? So we've started waiting until 8.30. So I guess we do sort of have established our own, and I guess every parent just really needs to figure it out for themselves and what works for their child and their family. Um, but what does the research show about this sort of issue? About setting routines? Yes. Yeah, they're, it's really critical. Actually, if you look at sleep, for all people, not just little people. Um, setting a bedtime routine actually not only like helps you understand that it's time for bed, it actually helps your body to start the process of slowing down and shutting down and going to sleep and relaxing. So that actually, a bedtime routine that's consistent would be great for all of us to do, especially if we're having any problems falling asleep at night, but it's especially good for little ones. Um, to understand what's coming, but also to be able to let their bodies, it's a signal to their bodies to start to relax. And really, um, I was actually just reading some research about that this week since we had our conversation about the bedtime. Um, and most research that's been done on bedtime routines was really done with everything else. About the <laughs> oh, sorry. And now we're at the train station. Uh, it's just a toy that Kyle brought in. <laughs> the... Um, uh, they just have done some research just focusing on bedtime routines because the research before was always with other things that were helpful in getting kids to sleep through the night. And the research has always looked like, and common sense sort of says that a bedtime routine is going to be helpful, but some of the newer research actually looks specifically at that. And it is very helpful to go ahead and establish a routine um, and get your kids to bed. And it's really whatever works for you. 
And like, I'm glad you said that you see that 8:30 seems to be more reasonable and is working better. Because if that's the case, then um, once you discover that, then go with that because that's going to be the new routine. Um, as long as it works and he's getting plenty of rest, you want to make sure that they're getting plenty of rest. So probably like midnight wouldn't be great if everyone had to get up at six because then they wouldn't be getting enough sleep. Um, and sleep needs also change over time especially for kids as they grow. I mean, babies need a lot more sleep, then toddlers need a little bit less sleep. <laughs> and then school-age kids need a little bit less sleep. Um, and then adolescents uh, still need more than we do, but a little bit less. So teenagers actually still need more sleep than adults, even though many of them are getting less sleep than adults. So that's not great. Um, and then we need a little bit less than them. So that's sort of how the, pro the progress goes over time. Um, the other thing that makes it difficult is that when kids aren't getting sleep, parents usually aren't getting sleep. So then when we don't get sleep, we know that our cognitive functioning is impaired, our ability to handle being irritated and frustrated is much lower. Um, and so that also makes it difficult when we're trying to tackle sleep with our little ones. But setting up a consistent routine and it's really a short routine. We like to think of these like hour-long routines that includes a bath and then, a, you know, five stories and then this and then that. And while a bath can be part of your kind of ritual, the bedtime routine is really like the things that happen in the 10 minutes before bedtime. So if it's he has a cup of milk and then he reads a story and then he goes to bed and that's about a 10-minute window, then that's really the critical part of the bedtime routine. And you definitely don't want to drag that out too long because then it is more of a game and less of an actual let's get ready for bed. Right. Um, the other thing that comes up a lot is the one more story, I need to go to the bathroom one more time, I need to have one more cup of water, that kind of one more game that goes on. And I was actually reading um, some really good advice about that, which is pretty much kids can have one, one more time. So if they need to get up once and go to the bathroom, they can have that one time if they need um, one more hug. They can get that, but beyond that, it's bedtime. And that kind of helps them know, like, you are there for them if they need you, but it's not a game. It's like if they really do need one thing, you're there for that, but um, it's not a game and you're not going to be doing it 25 times, just the one time and then it's bedtime. Well, and I'm a parent that has, uh, like, moments of energy and then longer moments of not having energy and i feel like i feel like i've that that other parents seem to have more energy for their kids but perhaps that's a yeah. just my perception um but uh i found that well obviously parenting takes a ton of energy and getting him like starting new habits for myself takes a lot of energy and starting new habits for him takes a lot of energy so um they i i guess what i have to remember is that yes i need to find the reserves and expend the energy and uh uh just keep that going until that new routine is established mm -hmm. and then um it'll kind of stabilize and and be better and if i can just make it through and then recognizing that like those infant years, I mean months, they weren't, 
weren't actually that long. <laughs> so, so if you can just make it through the time that it takes to get to that point where the habit is established and you have your new routine or you've your kid has developed just a little bit more and is a little less dependent on you, that it's not actually in the grand scheme of things that long. So I think just trying to remember those things is key. Right. Well, and ultimately it's going to make your life easier once you kind of get over the hump. So that's really, I mean, especially if you're trying to establish good sleep from the like for the first time, the whole family is going to benefit when the whole family is getting more sleep. So, like, the kids are going to benefit, the parents are going to benefit, everyone's going to benefit. And once it's established, once things become habits and routines, then it actually is easier. But you're right. That initial, like, two weeks or whatever where there's resistance and you have to be more involved and you have to be consistent and enforcing every single day is a lot of work. But then after that, it'll be smooth except for when things come up and then you may have a little bit of testing, but you should be able to get back into your routine. So, and I, this makes me think about um, the parents that I work with who are parents of children with autism or other special needs. And I, I feel like it's easy as a therapist to come in and say, this is what you should be doing and, and these are the, the types of things you should do and you need to be consistent with it so that it happens every time and it will be faster to learn that way. And that is all true. However, I know that as the parent, you are there 24-7. As the therapist, you're there for maybe 60 minutes, perhaps. And there is a huge difference in doing something and maintaining it, consistency with it for 60 minutes versus maintaining it and being consistent for 24 hours. So I think that's important uh, to to know if you are a parent that has therapists coming into your home, understand that their world and perception uh, with your child is so much different than your world and perception with your child. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. It's very easy. um, Pretty much the techniques and the tools for behavioral change aren't necessarily difficult. The difficulty is that you ha- they have to be done consistently and that we are emotional human beings that have good days and bad days too and that we don't always feel like doing it or we don't always have the emotional strength or um, it's just hard work. That part's the hard work. The techniques and the tools themselves, um, once you learn them or once you get in the um, the information that they're not that difficult. It's really about being able to do them when you've been with them 24 hours a day and it's been a really hard day or you've um, not had sleep for a week. <laughs> and as we joked about before we even got on the air, it's like our kids know, and for all you parents out there, you're, you know this is true. It's like they know what's going to be the worst moment to do the crazy thing or the loud thing or the whatever. And Kyle knows that we are trying to talk on the radio, and so he is bringing out every instrument and loud toy that he can find so that he also can participate in the radio show. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Uh, Yeah. 
I don't know what to say. This is <laughs> except that, that we're all in this together, and that's why we have this show is to offer that support. So um, I'd like to invite you if you have questions that you'd like to offer for discussion, or even just want a sympathetic ear to share your situation with, this is the place for that. We do this show once a month, usually towards the end of the month. And um, next, so next week, my work schedule is changing completely. And so this show will not be on Fridays, and we haven't picked the day for next month's show yet. But if you stay tuned on my blog at uh, heartbeatmusictherapy.net, or follow me on Twitter or Facebook uh, at Janice Lindstrom, um, then I'll let you know when next month's show is. And you can call in or you can email through heartbeatmusictherapy.net and uh, ask your question or share your story. And we will give you the appropriate sympathy and support. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you, Amy, for joining me again for this show. Oh, it was so fun to be here. It's always one of my favorites. It's nice to have a guest and someone else to manage the kid instead of uh, trying to do that on my own. Um, And thank you all for listening. And I think I forgot to say the date at the beginning of the show. Today is Friday, April 24th, 2015. And uh, that's the show for today. Um, And thank you all for listening. And we'll be back again next month. I don't have any other shows, any music therapy-based shows scheduled yet, so... uh, Uh, Stay tuned at the blog, and I'll let you know when the next episode is. Bye.